0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike watch Deep Space Nine. Today, we are drinking from the uh, from Quark's bar. We are going to be talking about season four, episode 11, Paradise Lost, second part of the two-parter. Uh, we're gonna find out, patrons, friends, whether or not it was a good idea to convince Mike to watch both episodes back to back with you on the, on the stream right there, because mm-hmm. while it was fun, you got to see the whole thing, like a movie, you got to continue the, uh, the excitement you were having there on anchor anchor, patreon.com slash K and M spell that and however, more than a week. Has now passed since Mike saw the episode. What do you think our chances are of Mike remembering pretty much anything that happened?
1: Well, Keith okay, had a meeting this morning, and uh, the person I was meeting with was a few minutes late, so I was able to do a skim through of the episode. Oh, again you did. And do a little refresher, uh, and uh, I'm glad I did that for them for all of the reasons you mentioned above. Also, can I, I just say, in no shame, yeah. I mean Starbucks. If you want to, uh, if you want to sponsor the show, please do. the mm. uh, The nitro in a can cold brew with a splash of sweet cream
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the whole nasty oh no the beautiful going down and that aftertaste a little bit like a cat's ass not, not well, that i there know you...
0: i mean you probably know
1: <laughs> close enough
0: uh wow okay so uh fair warning folks we have crusty old man mike today <laughs>
1: that's true
0: mike has been getting off i i have been talking to mike for like Maybe nine minutes today, and pretty much the subtext of every single sentence he said is "get off my lawn." I'm old and cranky. I just did. So, I
1: just saw some people, some kids playing out there, and I was like, "I hope they're not, hope they're not near my car."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, I mean, literally, get off my lawn.
1: Wow, that, that's
0: amazing. That's right. We by the end of this episode. We're going to be more enlightened. Yep. We're going to be better. We're going to be happier because that's what Deep Space Nine does to you. <laughs> and what did uh, what what did it do to us last week in the episode Homefront? Well, we uh, we spent almost two hours talking about it what what it does to Mike and I. Let's talk about what it does to you, the viewer of our little show here. Out of 100 self-sealing stem bolts for those counting at home, Joshua Cronin comes in with a 96, Jason Moe, 95, JD, 95, Worf's boot ships 94, Mysterious Anne, 96, boys we are right at the 95 level end of it and uh did i say kevin miles with a 95 i sure did and sans deity coming in with the super tip that youtube collected but uh distributed to nowhere and didn't post a comment we're gonna have to reach out to i want YouTube. my sixth sense of that we're gonna read we have uh, we have reached out we will reach out to uh to youtube to try to figure out what the hell's going on but luckily he was able to uh, to email me and tell me all about it. Uh, if uh, if you actually want to if you do want to email us, um, it sounds actually found my my personal one on my website, which is entirely possible and very much usable. But you could also reach us at Keith and Mike Entertainment at gmail.com or look at my Star Trek Toys at gmail.com. I get both of those. Don't you worry.
1: I get the K and M Geekly at gmail.com. Uh
0: i don't even know that existed it does to date we've received three mail
1: emails there but uh, not zero
0: well because literally nobody including your co-host even knows it exists so
1: but we're doing the so, game awards Keith, december 7th did you get that email because <laughs> you're the only one who hasn't responded
0: oh yeah no i don't think so i think I, <laughs> i'm actually recording wisdom of one that night i can't oh. do it
1: oh well i have two co- i have two other co-hosts so that's great i'll do it with
0: that I, I figured you wouldn't be lonely i was like it's 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 gonna be fine There are gonna be people uh be, I, also i don't play games that are you know less than uh 17 years old so
1: you know what don't let that virtual door hit you in the ass on the way out
0: keith all right <laughs> did i mention crusty mike
1: <laughs> oh boy i'm gonna drink all this too yeah, let's go
0: i think maybe you should maybe maybe put some put something else in there to make you make you a little happier i feeling a
1: little latency, if you know what i'm saying Latenty. Latency?
0: Mm-hmm. Latent? Latent? Are, do, you, do you have latent anger?
1: No. If only there was a character who turned out to be pretty big of an asshole. Named
0: oh, La- latent? Yeah. Oh, okay. Woo, boy! <laughs> who didn't watch the show? <laughs> who forgot the characters? I don't know character names. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like that is a part of my of don't my know Windows, weird brain. I don't know escape hatch. I don't know names. <laughs> that, that's true. No, I mean I'm literally the guy who I can read. A 600 page novel close the book and you ask me what is the name of the main character i won't be able to tell you so i don't listen to names on in i even in, even in a book i don't know what anybody's name is i don't i it, it doesn't register with me so keith
1: at the work icebreaker hey i'm keith varney i've already forgotten who you are don't attempt to give me a mnemonic device i will not remember you
0: have a good one i Thanks. mean it's it's not untrue it is not untrue there's a reason your name is on the corner of the screen in every shot it
1: does help it does help me as well
0: (laughs) all right so sans deity says about homefront the thing i liked best about this episode is the look at earth that we get so far in star trek we haven't spent a ton of time on 24th century earth and it's largely lived in this shroud of mysticism And in true Deep Space Nine fashion, they lift that mystical shroud and show us that there's actually some warts underneath there. It'll be hard to say too much about the episode, given what happens in the next helps frame things so much more, but I love the general sense of unease in this episode was able to give us up on Earth which is supposed to be paradise. The fact that this episode was produced well before 9-11 is a real testament to how great the writers of Star Trek are. This is not the first or last time they'll be prescient. I'll save more of my opinions on the story for next week, 94. Hell yes, they are self-sealing stem bolts. Oh, and a shout out to JD for coming up with a 10 times better name for the Garrick Bashir couple. I said Bashak, and he calls them Garshir. That wins, Garrick Bashir. Everybody loves it. Everybody, except Mike, who hates everything.
1: Nah, I just feel like we can workshop those names a little bit more.
0: No, I, I, I love them all. I love them all, guys, guys. Do we,
1: if we just accept on. everything, Keith, we'll never, we'll never iterate. Okay, we gotta,
0: <laughs> we can do better. Can I pass you a cookie through the <laughs> the screen? <laughs> We need to catch your blood sugar up. All right. Let's talk about Paradise Lost, yeah. shall we? Mm-hmm. Which aired on January 8th, 1996, uh, which weirdly 96 feels wildly more contemporary than like 93. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it makes any sense. I think it's because in my own head, I crossed the bridge from middle school to high school. So now it feels like, oh, that's contemporary.
1: Yeah, 96, I just, I can only think about being 16, and there's so many good things happened at 16, but getting your license is the biggest thing. So I got my license the day after my birthday, so that's not until November, but at 15, you could get your driver's license, driver's permit, so I was already learning to drive. I I think I've told this anecdote a million times, and I tell it one more time. This dude named Bob taught me to drive in a Thunderbird. He had one hand. So he had one hand, a prosthetic, and he would wear driving gloves, and God, that image is—I'll never forget Bob. I mean, it's like the—he uh, was old, like the, so chances are very high Bob is dead as hell.
0: Yeah, well, but he definitely sounds like a dollar store Bond villain. Yes, I like that. All right, uh, somebody write that movie. Our top song continued to be "One Sweet Day." Mariah Carey what? and Boys to Men.
1: I will remember that
0: song, but that's not today. Which mm-hmm. is why the words are all wrong. Thank you, boys, to men. Yeah, pretty good. That's scanned, scanned well, scanned well. Uh, all right, and uh, the top movie continued to be not eleven, but twelve. Monkeys, twelve full monkeys. Uh, great movie, dystopian sci-fi. It's it's what happens if the changelings took over Earth. Would, one of my
1: favorite uh, monkey movies turns out
0: oh for sure yeah and uh speaking of favorites mike what was on television
1: Keith, you in 1996 i gotta say for the most part mm-hmm. tv was kind of like eh, it was all right you know abc have you seen my son was on football no more monday night football because because it's january
0: Uh, Right, time for the playoffs.
1: Yeah, we got the nanny was on. CBS was, like, killing it. Melrose Place, everybody. "Eh, It was great. It was fine. But, Keith, there was something... There was an important thing that happened on TV that night, especially for this channel and our bizarre content. You know, you and I love to talk about professional wrestling. Something big happened that night. You know what it is? All right. Hold on.
0: 1996. 1996.
1: There was a a big debut. A big debut.
0: Okay. Uh, Well, 96, I feel... Like this, I I I well, because I know he debuted after WrestleMania, so it wouldn't be that. So it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be Mick Foley as Mankind. Okay, but it would be that year. Uh, certainly, could be like Stone Cold Steve Austin would mm-hmm. be in this era. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock debuted around this era. Mm-hmm. Well, Keith, uh, a cookie for you. Yeah, because Ted DiBiase
1: was on Monday Night Raw, and Ted DiBiase was awarding the first ever million dollar championship.
0: To the Ringmaster, Stone Cold Finally, Steve Austin. I have found him. So without Who is it? any further ado, Who is it? I give you the Ringmaster. Uh-huh. Look at Bruce Pritchard! <laughs> Come on, where is he? And there here he comes. <laughs> the new million-dollar champion. The last time he had hair. The Ringmaster. Everybody's I'm impressed, man. What about you? Oh, very impressed.
1: So, not wow. only uh, is it Stone Cold Steve Austin's first appearance, but you know he has one of the most iconic music hits that the the glass shattering. Right? But his first ever entrance in the WWE was to another iconic intro song, and it was the Ted DiBiase, the million, money, 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 money. He was the million dollar champion
0: with Bruce Prichard as brother. Brother love. Of love was awesome. My wow. Wow, yeah. that is a that is a deep cut, but here I am. I was not a wrestler. I knew nothing about wrestling three years ago. You nailed it. You nailed it. And now I'm such a nerd. It's crazy. All right. Uh, what was Voyager? That was great. Thank you for that clip. I of enjoyed course. that. Uh, what was Voyager doing? Well, they're still off for another week. We'll mm. see you back next week. It's going to be awesome. The weekly world news headline. Wow, this one is a good one. Uh, with some truly fantastic Photoshop. We were talking about using AI Photoshop. I don't think they did. It's like almost an AI upskirt there. (laughs) (laughs) I I asked for an upscale. Upscale,
1: (laughs) damn it. Look at that bald spot in the back. Wow, we got some great stuff. Happening. The scale of her head versus that guy holding her back's head is all kinds of wrong.
0: And, like, her facial expression. She's like, hmm, placid. Like, oh, my God. South- Susan Smith is in a prison brawl, for those of you listening to this. Uh, Mike, do you remember Susan Smith? No, but apparently she's
1: a South Carolina child killer.
0: She sure is. She sure is. Yeah, that, that was At least a, we're uh, not
1: exploiting the victims by, in this cacophony of a front page, putting the actual victim's pictures up.
0: I mean, I, yeah, no, it's uh, a, <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, but she was uh, she was in the news because I, I I didn't I, like I remembered who she was once I looked it up, but I did not remember the name because um, it's a very famous crime that happened in the '90s. You know uh, what? She, I,
1: I, in order, I, the best part of this is that the Weekly World News, I think. Uh, started to get some deal with some litigation. And so in in order to mitigate that litigation, you'll notice on the bottom left it says mm. Artist's conception of Susan Smith's alleged prison brawl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lawyer approved. Ding. Well. Wow. 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 There it is. All right. Let's let's lose some paradise. Shall we, Mike? Yeah. This was directed by Reza Badi who last directed Visionary. And this is Reza's last episode of Deep Space Nine. Sorry, Reza. It has a teleplay by Ira Stephen Bear and Robert Hewitt Wolf, who also wrote the last episode. However, this has a story by Ronald D. Moore. Um, If you have three super heavy hitter writers on a show, uh, those are three of the biggest, heaviest hitters uh, on Deep Space Nine. Very cool. Which means it's time for us to get a heavy hit of. Now, keep waste your time with trivial trivia. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. All right. So I don't know if I had mentioned this before because I don't remember anything that happens. That's I'm fair. I'm I'm worse than Mike. Uh, but this episode was originally going to be the opening episode of the fourth season. This episode. This episode, with last episode, was going to be the finale of the third season. Uh, But they couldn't do it because of budget. Although it was almost impossible to make them out, outside Starfleet Command are a number of statues of famous starships, including the original Enterprise, uh, and uh, production designer Herman F. Zimmerman used Galoob toys as the statues. Uh, I didn't know Galoob did... More ships other than the diecast Enterprise D. Wait, what's that person's name? Herman? Herman F. Zimmerman. What do you think that middle name is? Frank? Herman
1: Frank? Herman whatever it is, whatever F name you can't come up with a good F name that makes his parents good people. <laughs> Your last name is already Zimmerman. You're like, how about Herman? Come on, Herman F. Zimmerman is this man's name. What's wrong with that? I don't know, man. You're just setting him up for like an uncomfortable high school experience. Well, he went (laughs) on to great things though. Congratulations, Herman, you you nailed it.
0: (laughs) Get off my lawn or I'm gonna bully you in
1: high school. I'm not gonna bully him. I was also bullied for my very unique name. Michael? (laughs) (laughs) That's a point, Keith, is that my parents let me off the hook either. Oh god. <laughs> what a weirdo. Hey man, you'd be a Mike for a couple days. Every you walk down the street, you're like, huh? Who? People talk calling out Mike left and right.
0: I believe it was the most common name in our era.
1: Oh yeah. And I, I married a Jen, so Jen and I go to like Target oh, my god, or whatever, yeah. and it's just constant turning around thinking someone's calling us.
0: That that is a hundred percent true. Wow. All right. Uh Susan Gibney, who plays Erica Benteen. As we mentioned before, uh, played Leah Abrams in Booby Trap and Galaxy's Child, mentioned it many times. But here's what I didn't mention last mm. week. She was considered for the role of Catherine Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. Mm. Uh, so they liked her so much. They uh, they not only gave her a two-parter here, but they she was similar almost look, Janeway.
1: Actually. She could play young Janeway, in fact.
0: She could play. I I think she's probably a little, was a little too young for Janeway. Uh, I think she would have done a good job though. Uh, Interesting. Uh, All right. Uh, Captain Benteen, the same lady, commands the USS Lakota, uh, whose names allude to the Little Bighorn War of 1876, where Captain Frederick Benteen was one of the United States Cavalry commanders who fought against the Lakota Sioux.
1: What was the name of... Pike's girlfriend's ship.
0: Oh God! Uh, was it the Was it the Lakota? It could have been Lakota or the Dakota or something. You look it up while I'm while I'm continuing because I, that actually it would make. I mean, it would be total. It absolutely could be that. The uh, speaking of the Lakota, she's the captain of the USS Cayuga. Cayuga. Oh, you know. Uh, Cayuga. That's a, Yeah, it's his sister ship was the Cowabunga. (laughs) It's comedy fun, guys. It's good.
1: It was so bad it broke me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The Lakota was portrayed in this episode because ships have actors, too by the original Excelsior class studio model, which had been modified to portray the Enterprise B in Star Trek Generations. This was the only time the refit configuration of the Excelsior class with its flared secondary hull and larger impulse engines appears in Deep Space Nine. Uh, Which is interesting that they were still using a model at this point because they had switched to digital for a lot of the ship stuff and I bet in this scenario, they were using the filming model for the Lakota and a digital version of the Defiant to do all of this spinning around the ship, which they would not have been able to do back in the day. Uh, but very interesting how often they reused, those models were like huge and expensive and beautiful. So you wanna find ways find to use them. And lastly, when Odo rescues Cisco, he use, uses what appears to be a Vulcan nerve pinch. The reason? Mike, can you guess the reason he uses a Vulcan nerve pinch? Uh, no. They ran out of money for morphs. So they came, so similarly to, uh, how it was invented in the first place. Uh, because they, uh, because, um, Nimoy didn't want Spock to shoot people. Um, and so, uh, he was like, invent something. And so he came up with it on the fly. Well, a, and, it, and it elevated that
1: scene from Hoke to not Hoke. Oh wait, no, it didn't. <laughs> that scene is like the one that it's it's like almost camp. Oddly, I don't think I meant it to be, but it's, he's just like he says quippy line. Ah! It's not great.
0: Yeah. Well, cut to the end of the episode. I could tell. I get two self feelings. I hated it. No, <laughs> I, I hate did, everything. I,
1: I definitely didn't hate it.
0: Get off my TV! Uh, All right, so our guest stars. Oh, wait, no! It's not time for guest stars. It's time for some thanks, Mike. Oh, yeah. Hey, Keith, we would like to say thanks. You know,
1: YouTube often, it turns out, loses some of the super thanks, uh, but we never forget, that's not true, to give the super thanks to our patrons, whom we appreciate. Uh, And I would like to say their names now, probably incorrectly with my thanks bryant kimball Beersuck, casey clark jason moe joshua cronin peter bank eh manju <laughs> jorge Navoa, and the mysterious end that mysterious household morphs Big-o! boot shivs charles babich harry pothead smoke him if you got him crm productions nikola ivanovich Lobchevsky's delusions at noon youtube viewer james hubbard jd makes colin dagan chris mitchell crm Pet, joshua cronin and John Don Dillard III with Lutz Kramer. Folks, those are the patrons. They get... Wasn't even close. What are you talking about?
0: Jerry, not John.
1: <laughs> oh, we're close. We're good buddies, so I call him John Don. Um,
0: <laughs> John, De- John, John Don Van Dillard?
1: J-double-D, number three. Uh, anyway, (laughs) those people are the patrons. We we joke because we love each other. We're family. Uh, They give us (laughs) money because they know we are a small business who's trying to bring that hot Star Trek gossip and news to the masses. We, I watch, every week I watch these episodes, whatever state of consciousness I'm in, people watch along with me. They convince me to do stuff. We do other AMAs, other stuff, streams, dreams, walking high beams making memes you can join the teams patreon.com
0: <laughs> Lynn Mikewell Miranda over there Whew. okay uh, our guest stars let's see how much I can mangle these names <laughs> include Robert Foxworth as Admiral Leighton Herschel Sparber as Jerush Inyo, Susan Gibney as Benteen, Aaron Eisenberg as Nog, David Drew Gallagher as Riley Aldrin Shepard, interesting Aldrin, Buzz Aldrin, uh, must be, although I don't think they ever say his, I guess maybe they do say his name, Mina Badi as security officer, and Rudolph Wilrick as Bolian Commandant.
1: Keith, I, I say? knew that was a Bolian, and I said that online, and people went, crazy they were like keith would be so proud because i was like is that a bullion and they were like
0: yeah well
1: done thanks man that's they're the blue folks b for b that's how i remember
0: wow there it is mnemonic device it won't help me but it might help mike (laughs) what do you say we help ourselves to this episode (laughs) sometimes like you know because we've all seen it and heard it a thousand times but just just next time watch mike's face in that video really carefully it really it tells such a story
1: that I just don't know what I'm doing,
0: I like my mouth my gums just flap that you forgot you were on camera Yeah, that <laughs> often happens so hilarious all right, so in our teaser now of course if you missed part one, I don't know how I ended up here uh but uh you know go back and you know you know what happened previously on so immediately we hop into the screen yo oh I man that's amazing.
1: When we Cisco. last left our Intrepid Heroes, the earth was being occupied by uh, security forces. Uh-huh. And uh, that that uh equal out of a, a fear of, of a possible
0: Dominion attack.
1: Yeah, or not even fear of in the midst of
0: In the say. midst of, we believed, because of the power grid went down. Mm-hmm. So we begin with a suspicious Cisco asking a pretty fair question how how did the dominion manage to take out all of the power relays at once um although i think uh it depends on their hacking ability whether the uh, question is are is their power grid as as uh inefficient and discombobulated as ours well because their that... power
1: grid is like a soup right don't they just like transmit power power through their dominion soup remember when we went to the planet and they just like all came from a goo soup lake no that's them
0: that's that's the
1: yeah but the that's power all this was being generated from there there were some lightning but bolts.
0: not no no not electricity no 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 you're there, there's no lightning bolts on dominions i think you're imagining i think you're confusing it with the uh the dax symbionts
1: mm, you're right with I the am. trills
0: there the trills are in the zappy soup different soups the, you know what I mean? they're, they're totally different soups flavor profile completely different so, uh, Odo has questions of his own. Yeah, what's what's the deal with Red Squad beaming back from Starfleet Academy after the emergency while everybody else was mobilizing? Then, three hours later, they were mobilized again. That's odd. Uh, also impressive, they have Frank's Red Hots. My favorite. E- even in its original wrapper. I mean, They're not even open. Now, the Cholula,
1: right there seems to be open but the franks no nobody's using the franks but that that is my preferred hot
0: sauce mm, yeah I, I i enjoy it it's a, it's interesting that they would still be using a plastic wrapper in the uh, the 23rd century
1: well it could be plastic adjacent
0: we don't know that's true it could be could be biodegradable plastic so quite possible anyway <laughs> uh, meanwhile joseph cisco and jake are reopening the restaurant it's been four days since the power went down and nothing has happened and there are literally twos of security officers swarming New Orleans. Uh, could have could have found a way to get a couple more volunteers to be extras. In well, that, that
1: was but. their big regret on this episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, how is it that much more expensive to get four or five extras versus two? Apparently Bear was saying that it's so,
1: he thought, now I don't agree. But he thought that the lack of extras, um, and thanks to, I forget which patron who <clears throat> turned me on to this line, so I Googled it, um, so thought it ruined this episode. Once again, I disagree. Uh, that there for the remainder of the run of the series, Keith, there was a note on his wall that said, remember, uh, what's the name of this episode?
0: Paradise Lost.
1: Remember Paradise Lost meaning like never skimp on that kind of stuff
0: interesting yeah interesting i mean like i i agree with his point but i don't agree that it ruined it no, like not. yeah because i i think we all can conceptually fill in the blanks in our head because it, it's a it's an episode about an idea it's an it's about a concept mm-hmm. it's not like necessarily we get it like we all but but maybe that's a post thing. Right. Because we all can fill in the blanks there because we've seen it. We've gone through it, you know, living in New York City. Like, yeah, it's very obvious. Like, you don't need to, like, show me too much. I know exactly what armed people in Penn Station.
1: That's actually a really valid point you bring up because, yeah, when you think about it, especially I think because pre 9-11 and pre all that, perhaps the thought being, you know, Ostensibly, all of the people who would be occupying the occupying forces would be good guys, right? We're all on the same right. team. We're fighting the same foe, theoretically. So that can just idea-wise not not be so threatening. But like you said, once you've gone through it or have even seen it, like you said, even a couple of national National Guard guys walking through a train station is unsettling. So hundreds of them is even could be feel even more oppressive. So yeah, okay.
0: It could, well, and it's it's an interesting push-pull that I think this episode is about, but, like, you feel like, all right, so, especially closer to 9-11, right, you see National Guard in Penn Station with, like, AR-15s. It is both scary mm-hmm. and oppressive, but also a little bit, like, real, like calming. Yeah. Like, you, you, you feel both safer and less safe at the same time.
1: Well, we all saw January 6th, right? So... That,
0: right. that no, was a yeah. horrific
1: scene. But then not long after that, when they started like fortifying around the Capitol, when, when different things of Congress would be taking place, that all just doesn't feel right. And just like, uh, you know, uh, Trump now saying, I would use the Insurrection Act to like squash down oh, pu- it's... public, public, uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for?
0: Uh, demonstration, protest demonstration, demonstration you start oh, it, to think oh
1: what a slippery slope it is it's
0: absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. um and uh i mean because it's all based on i mean using the interact i mean using the way he would be using it is exactly what is the most terrifying because like it's scary to see people in uniform with that sort of you know with that sort of uh, equipment it is much scarier to see, you know, civilians walking around with an AR-15, right? And it is much scarier a third time to see people in uniform being used for nefarious reasons. And, like, it's it's like elevation Which goes to show
1: all the way back, and we'll get into the conversation now, but all the way back into the 90s, you know, it's easy to look at the past four, five, six years and be like, holy crap, right. have the norms been destroyed? But the whole point, and I think this episode is quite prescient about, is that, and it'd be interesting to see if they reckon with going forward the whole point here is that once you take the genie out of the bottle it's very hard to get the genie back in the bottle 100% right? so just because you it's easy to say oh well this one president whoever it may whoever depending on where you fall on the spectrum right just demolished the norms well uh, but we now we got to elect this guy and we'll get back to normal but are are we going to get back to normal like that's that's the question
0: no Well, and that's and and I I think if you if you zoom out a little bit, you and I think what the show is about is that this cycle of you know this this march towards authoritarianism, this march towards whatever, is a cycle that we as human as humanity have done over and over, and it, it is the story of humanity, right? We we set up a system that is that seems fair and just and the utopian ideal right and then it gets slowly undermined we fall back into authoritarian we burn it all down and then we start over again this has happened for thousands of years and we are just in that cycle again i think and, that and- it's
1: important often when we look at american politics or even like global politics now we'll focus on american politics you know it's it can be frustrating how slowly things change and swing back and forth for incremental movement But at the same time, this episode, you know, even look at Ben's journey, where we up to right now, right? Last episode, he had in the face of that crisis, which was imminent and ongoing, he made a choice, right? And he urged and and voted for a choice. He put his reputation on the line for a specific course of action. And now, but days later, he's starting to ask questions, questions he wasn't asking prior because he was in the throes of it. And yeah. that's the issue is that a lot of times when we get to these, you know, just to use another kind of pop culture thing, you know, these, these acts of mass violence, the, well we have to have this period of mourning and the thoughts and prayers period before we can do an autopsy a post-mortem afterwards and kind of look at what went wrong well no isn't isn't before the during and before the thing the time to actually analyze what's going on so
0: it's, well it it, it, and it and it goes back to something I said last week that, that like you're you're sort of assuming that both sides or all sides and since' it was more than two sides are working operating in good faith yeah and and when we say when people say it's not time to talk about gun control or something like that it, they're not operating in good faith like you're 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 not you're not you're not making a logical argument they're not saying oh now's not the time they're saying no <laughs> like they like it, the 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 pretense of like we're going to get to this it's a lie they're not operating in good faith and and anyway, I mean, I think in, in even, terms of Even like-
1: actors who are operating, in quote unquote, good faith, like your PBS or some other, you know, like, or BBC, pick pick a news outlet that you feel is relatively balanced, right? The issue we're running into these days is that, I find, is that often we'll take fringe ideas or fringe voices and put them on a show with rational voices. This happened a lot during COVID, right? You'd have the, like the one, oh my God, one yeah. quack doctor and put them on the same stage for a, for to have a debate but this but just simply putting them on the stage with a rational argument elevates it to to assuming it is rational which is not
0: fair to do often well it, in in it is the sacrifice of of truth for the illusion of balance you, well and said. And well said it it is it is quite literally uh we as a society have become so afraid of being called biased we elevate bullshit and and it's like you it's it's not like here's some guy who says the earth is flat some guys with this round discuss right, right. no <laughs> one of them is wrong and uh and and that and that is one of the mark one of the steps in the march towards authoritarianism and it all burns down
1: as an aside, not, and then we'll continue on. Is <laughs>
0: yeah. sorry, everybody. This got very dark very well, quickly. Well,
1: it's the conversation, right? It is the conversation. Yeah. But my one of my favorite uh, voices, and Keith Keith is uh, is an atheist. I'm not particularly an atheist, but I I do lean towards that direction. But I will say, uh, Ron Reagan's son is one of my yeah. favorite voices because mm. he he does very the complete bright, opposite of what you just what you just outlined he doesn't want to have the conversation he'll be like proud atheist not afraid to burn in hell end of commercial i love love it
0: yeah no and it's i i I wouldn't call myself a full atheist i would say i am a very hard agnostic yeah that's i'm a softer agnostic
1: but you know that happens with age
0: i'm i'm i may like you know sure i'll you know prove it to me of course, absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm, I will, I will take in new information if you give it to me. Anyway, all right. So, uh, where, where the hell were we before we went in a very dark place? We got Red Squad. We're we're interviewing. We're Red still Squad. on the teaser. Oh yeah. my god. So, um, Cisco then calls a Bolian admiral. Well spotted, Mike. To ask what's going on with Red Squad, with Odo hiding unseen from the zoom zoom camera, smartly and the Admiral is immediately nervous. He asks if Layton knows about this and says, uh, because you you shouldn't know anything about the Red Squad. And he says, Red Squad did their mission admirably, but uh, clear that browser cache, Mm -hmm. delete those records immediately. Cisco, this is the beginning of a whole series of Cisco doing a really good job at pretending like he knows more than he does to elicit more information from people. Good interrogation techniques. In the restaurant, uh, Joseph happily agrees to a blood screening and Cisco asks him, Hey, why'd you change your tune? And he's like, well, we got attacked. It's real now. I mean, boy, here we go. Post 9-11. Cisco isn't so sure. He definitely smells a rat. So he's summoned Jake to get some information. Jake says the Red Squad are the only folks not afraid of the Dominion. And they like Nog because of his connection to Cisco. Their membership is secret, but uh, Nog knows because, you know, Ferengi. So Cisco orders him to set up a meeting. And this is where we meet the cadet that Cisco interrogates, pretending to know more than he does. The cadet uh, admits it's a secret mission. Red squad red squad was the one who sabotaged the power grid uh that's big news and also explains why they're not afraid
1: and how he gets information out of him is awesome. He's sort of like top guns did to, he like goose to Mavericks it he's like gets him to brag which is pretty great
0: oh it's it's good I mean he Cisco does really good like psychology with everybody here um he's this is why he's such a good operative. He's mm-hmm. such a good security why he should be running defense for Earth, right? But because it's also
1: of, helpful that, like, it also shows, I think, just as a character development, and we know it because we know what a badass Cisco is, but it's nice to know that all the cadets back at the academy and all the young ones coming up know the legend of Cisco. Like, so they're, will, oh, it's like meeting your heroes and be like, I want to impress them.
0: And it shows how far Cisco has gone, yeah. right? Because remember, when he first got on deep space 9 this this was a like throw you away this is a throwaway assignment yeah. out in the middle of nowhere that nobody cares about and now here he is like in the middle of the entire quadrants situation uh pretty cool and which is why this storyline with uh yeah, with with the Dominion really Addresses the early criticism of the show, like it was like a it was like a parking lot in space. Mm-hmm. Right? No, it's kind of the very important one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh da-da-da-da. so Odo and Cisco then discuss. Odo makes a point that it might have been Changelings pretending to be the Federation Brass giving them these orders. But Cisco points out that let's say the Changelings had replaced the Federation people to set all of this up. Nothing that has happened has benefited the Changelings. There was no invasion, and now Earth is fortified. And uh, Cisco, you know, and and, uh, so Odo asks, what are you going to do? And I I pulled up some quotes because it's pretty good. Cisco says, that is the bottom line, isn't it? What am I going to do? These aren't evil people. Odo, these are people I've worked with. They're my friends, people I respect. How can I turn against them? And Odo says, "It seems to me, if they have committed treason against the Federation, the Federation that you swore to protect, you won't be turning against them. They will have turned against you." And you know, we're right in the middle of stuff like that. And you know, it's it's really difficult positions here. So in Act 2, they go to the President, who is pretty skeptical of their accusation, but, to his credit, he hears them out. So they restate what happened in Part 1. After the Dominion threat, Layton wanted to Patriot Act the planet, but the President resisted. So they sabotage their own power grid to get the President to agree to these new security authorizations. Um, like you said, they they false flagged. Um, And the president asks Sisko if he's accusing Leighton of treason. So Sisko says, I'm sure the admiral doesn't see it as treason. He would probably defend it as a desperate act of patriotism. He and his supporters think their actions are both necessary and justified. And oof, tell me that isn't prescient post-January 6th. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, well, the person at the top of that I, have I don't have to say. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Trying to I'm trying to tie it to this conversation so that it doesn't just seem like I'm jumping on a soapbox but eh, Jump on what, that what's, soapbox, what's it's your show. What's important though is so uh the Nancy Pelosi's daughter has a new documentary out. Basically, she is interviewing uh People who were part of January 6th and either served some time or were slapped on the wrist or whatnot, and and almost to a person, when she's like, "Would you support Trump now?" Blah blah blah, and they're all like, "Yeah." She's incredulous. She's like, "What?" After all that, what? you still would. And that I feel is like, and that's what's happening here too. It's like you can't <laughs> you can't make assumptions that people are going to learn from things, right? If if anything, they're going to double down, right? So no. Uh, I think naivety can be the biggest, uh, the the culprit here. Whereas uh, what I like about this is that that Cisco isn't, though he's conflicted, he isn't naive. Right? He isn't. He doesn't think that Layton's going to roll over, that he can trap him, because he understands that Layton believes in what he's doing, which makes it even more complicated.
0: Well, and I think that ties directly into what we're talking about: truth. Right. And and the danger of a society and a media that starts to devalue truth, Mm -hmm. because I I think, you know, I I don't know, I haven't spoken to any of them, but the people, most of the people there were there in their concept of good faith. They thought they were doing the right thing, but they had been radicalized with a whole bunch of garbage Mm -hmm. and and people are not you know part of it is is online and then the radicalization and the misinformation that gets out there done by people who are not operating in good faith manipulating people who are just ill informed ill educated whatever and exploiting them which is how this all, how this all works this is how this is how germany happened this is how you know the fall of the roman empire all of it it's all over and over and over again so i think the point here about I think the difference between our society and what's happening here, right, is that Leighton seems on the face, right? Yeah to at this be, juncture. At this juncture, seems to be operating because he's he thinks he's doing the right thing. Right? He genuinely sees the threat. He genuinely sees that I have to take these extreme actions to save stuff. Right? So well, Usually. That's, yeah, that's
1: the point, right? So like I said, the point I was making earlier was that when you see in real time how slowly these things happen, the glacial pace in which change takes place and if in your core you believe we we don't have the time to waste for that slow change and I am in a position in which I can either do or manipulate in order to do something quickly I need to take that opportunity. That is, right. That is a, a level of I mean, frank narcissism that, that you oh, are the, are the arbiter of that, of that decision yeah. is a problem. Cause there are a but, lot of people like that.
0: And it, for, for sure it, but it's, it's usually the people at the very top who are aware that this is a manipulation, who are doing this for nefarious needs man, means manipulating the well intentioned, ill-informed folks who then take rash action. Yeah. where like, um,
1: That is designed like a gazelle wearing a neckerchief.
0: Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, but, but I think your your point about how glacially slow these things move, I think you're, I think you're right, but it's slow, 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 super fast mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. is the way these things work, you know, and I, I would point, I mean, God, we're going to get into like my whole political idea here, but like, I think this started around 9-11 in partly because of Fox News, but the, 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 convergence of news and entertainment is started 20, 30 years ago that undermined truth and fact and information and news, which then has opened the door for all of these subsequent things. Anyway.
1: Uh, well, hold on. Hold the phone. <laughs> hold my beer, because in the past six months, in the past three months, the gulf between uh gpt2 right or adobe's visual ai beta versus gpt4 and adobe's first 1.0 of their ai the the gulf between those two things is enormous in six months so in another six months which brings us to oh the middle of election season folks this is not doom and gloom this is a guarantee be ready for it because you were going to start to see crazy shit crazy yeah. things being people being accused of saying and doing things with visual proof that it happened that look perfect
0: so yeah.
1: uh hold on to your butts man
0: hold on to your yeah. butts no it's going to be it oof, it's really scary you know and and you know that we i think it's it's the ai but also the internet right because you know when i when i talk about the the beginning of the sort of slide in our, our cultural awareness of truth and shared belief in things, um, starting with with cable news and and, and uh, news entertainment and for profit news and Fox News that kind of stuff. Well, now those are the are the antiques that mm-hmm. nobody's paying attention. Now it's all these hyper fract you know uh, fractured little crazy extreme nonsense on the internet. On TikTok, and that's where people get genuinely radicalized.
1: Well yeah, and it's for me, it's funny. It's it's you look at the arbiters of that truth slash that information, and you've got your Zuckerbergs and your musks and your Bezoses and your Saudis and these people with just unlimited money who have no tether. To, to the normal man's
0: experience. And absolutely no, and, and and well, I mean, I guess the answer to whether or not they're operating in good faith is a different answer for every single one of those yes. examples you gave. Yeah, but um, almost not
1: the point, right? Like whether they're in good faith or not and is, is kind of moot because, but my point is terrifying. there's few of them, right? It's not like any, it's not democratized in any sort of way, right? because no. the it used to be at least you could argue that the free market would democratize it right like x is a great example or twitter all the all the people are fleeing right all the advertisers are fleeing but if you're absurdly wealthy does that even matter
0: no no it's oh, well yeah because you're the, the financial motivations are no longer there when you have these oligarchs who are now above money and they just want attention Gets, it gets really dicey. Um, yeah. no, uh, God, it, 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 really scary times, folks. Weird times, yeah. This this, this two-episode arc of science fiction with a talking rabbit from 1996 has scared the crap out of us here. <laughs> <I> mean,
1: <laughs> Where's Roger out when you need him? Okay, so oh Ben is having second thoughts.
0: He is. The president is demanding proof. And Cisco says, Order Layton to stand down and see what he does. That's how you contest it. But the president says, If I try to force Layton to stand down and he doesn't want it, I'm going to have a riot on my hand, hands. So Layton already has sort of scary levels of power. So the president's like, You got to prove it. So they go back to the restaurant, and Nog says, All the Red Squad cadets are on a secret exercise. Then Leighton comes in to talk to Cisco alone. Oh, what are we gonna do now? Leighton apologizes for not telling Cisco the truth from the beginning, but he knew he would disapprove. Leighton says, "Look, we both want to save the Federation." And Cisco then gives the thesis statement of the episode, which is, "So you want to destroy paradise in order to save it?" They discuss their history of working together in the Zenkathy War and the Chain of Command. Whilst enjoying tea from the most colorful of mugs. I mean, it's 1996. It's also New Orleans, so, you know, very, very colorful. Uh, do you remember the Zenkathy War? It sounds very familiar. Uh, in the episode The Defiant, when when uh, Riker's evil twin brother steals yes. the Defiant and tries to start nonsense, mm-hmm. it's with the Zenkathy. No, that's not true at all.
1: Okay, thanks. Good to know. It was an
0: it was another time the Defiant got taken over by the Dominion, and they were gonna go start start shit with the Zenkadi. Whatever. Don't come for me, Internet. Uh, all right. So Leighton says, "Respect my authority," and if you uh, and if you don't, I'm gonna send you back to Deep Space Nine. So Cisco sits alone in the garden to think about it, and Chief O'Brien walks up. And it doesn't take long for Cisco to figure out that's not Chief O'Brien, that there is a changeling. And uh, it's interesting about the performance level. As I as I, as I wait for you to catch up, I'm gonna I'm gonna stall here. Is that this changeling is way more flamboyant than the changelings we've seen before?
1: That's yeah, because Colm needed to give it to you.
0: Colm is like, I'm going crazy. This is gonna be fun. Uh, because, like you know, like the female changeling who we seen many times, she's very solid, very sad, This is what I'm going to do. And the one um, in season three, like it's like you know, we're calm or whatever. This guy's like, I'm going to mustache twirl. But it's twirl. not even
1: a bad. He's not even a bad changeling. Ch- Ch- Changeling's basic bullet points in this meeting, right? The the uh, the minutes would read, Hey, there's only four of us on Earth. B. If we wanted to f up Earth, we'd have done it already. C. Uh, you better
0: check your friends. Well, I mean, I I think what they're—it's like the
1: most well, rational changeling presentation of all time.
0: Well, it's it's really smart because they there's only four of us, so what can we do? We can make you paranoid. Mm-hmm. We can, you know, it's it is sort of like what you're, you know, in in our analogy, the changelings would be running eight chan or whatever the new version of that is, right? They'd be just like. Oh, just dropping little memes here and there, and making people scared and radicalized and crazy. It's it can be one dude in his underwear, uh, you know, just running a little server there, and can have a and can cause January sixth. But also, right? The changelings don't want
1: Earth to be fortified. I don't think they care too much because if they wanted to come in and obliterate, they would do so anyway. But from their standpoint, they can they can they can do a couple of things here. A they could have just said nothing, right? And let let it play out. But they're like, we want to, I can fan the flames, right? By saying, hey, look what we were able to do with only four of us. B, I can turn the paranoia, I can I can now fan the flames of them in fighting, right? Like they're kind of getting everything they want here.
0: All of it. I mean, it's, it's classic psyops,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that's, it's what the CIA does all the time and and i think it's it's really smartly done and it, it begs the question and it's not addressed in this episode the terrorist attack that did happen it seems like the changelings actually did that because at no I, it's point cuz that
1: was a that was a i was going to bring it up as a wormhole because it, at no point cuz they you know they catch later we're going to get we catch later at a, a, a few different points monologue bad guy monologuing right at no point does his false flag operation indicate he's working with the changelings or that they faked it with the changelings that so
0: well i i think is it all opportunity i think he was being manipulated by the changelings Mm -hmm. so i think they did do the terrorist attack as part of one of the ways to radicalize layton and cause chaos and dysfunction so, like, I, I bet they they might have been slipping into his DMs and spreading conspiracy theories. So maybe, a, maybe a, theories. a
1: better initial teaser from the first episode would have been instead of the, a set of the Deep Space Nine crew watching the terrorist attack on the screen and discussing what's going on, going from the terrorist attack to latent in the president's office being like, we need to do something about it, and president being like, no, we can't, you know what I mean? So that we get mm-hmm. that kind of, that piece of the puzzle, but
0: yeah I, I I like that. you know, and i I bet they probably had rules against starting without our heroes. Mm-hmm. but I think if it were done today, that would be a great way to do it. I, I actually would have liked that very much. Ah uh, good, good change. good, good note. Uh, so anyway, so the O'Brien Changeling says there's only four of us on the planet, and look at the havoc we've wrought. We're smarter. And better than you solids, and we don't fear you like you fear us. Like I say to Mike before every show, and he says, "In the end, it's your fear." You
1: wrote that down too, right?
0: I sure did. Yeah, I thought about. I, I, I realized it right at the moment. So, uh, in the end, it's your fear that will destroy you. I uh, like that the truth. Changelings dropping some wisdom. Roll on credits us here. Roll credits. <laughs> In Act 3, late that night, Joseph comes up to his son in the restaurant. They discuss Ben's first crush. And he gives Ben some advice that he did when he was a kid. Stop thinking and start doing. So he secretly calls Kira at Deep Space Nine. The wormhole stopped opening and closing, randomly. And says, I have something I need you to do. Then he and Odo break into the Starfleet security files with techniques that Odo learned from Quark. And of course, I wonder like, all right, did Odo learn these techniques by like watching Quark do his nefarious deeds? Or at some point, like over a cocktail or two, Quark, like, eh, let me show you some stuff. Because I would love to like have, to like imagine them like having dinner and Quark showing him stuff like that. I like it. I doubt it happened, but probably Odo would say I watched him. Uh, Nonetheless, it's cool. They discover that Layton has shuffled a bunch of his Loyalists into positions of power. And there's a bunch more about to go into effect the day before the President's speech. It is obvious that a coup is being plotted. Or, as Avery Brooks said it in uh, Dramatis Persona, a coup. Always made me laugh. Then Benteen arrives. Cisco congratulates her on being named Captain of the Lakota, and they spar carefully, both knowing each other are up to no good, but keeping the pretense. Always fun. They then arrive in a futuristic Paris with a very cool-looking matte painting with a moving train. I I, I really liked the matte work of, uh, of Future Earth. Um, really, really... I mean, it's a matte painting. We get it. It's the 90s, but I think it looks really great. Cisco walks into the president's office to find Leighton and Benteen are there already. And Benteen does a blood screening that shows Cisco to be the changeling. Nice trick. So in Act Four, back at Starfleet, Leighton and Cisco talk while Cisco waits in jail. Leighton freely admits that he faked the test. He also admits that he's planning to take over Earth until the changeling threat is neutralized.
1: Remind me how he faked the test, because he asks him flat out, and he tells him.
0: He he does, no, he doesn't say how. I don't think he
1: does. Ben asks him straight up, "How do you how do you fake the blood test?" And he says something I can't remember.
0: I hold on. Talk talk for a second. Let me let me pull up the the script.
1: Um, this, yeah. This, because if we are able to determine, see, why I don't remember is because my assumption is that if he was working with the changeling, if there is some sort of cahoot with changelings, they could have done it. The changeling could have been in on the blood mess up there Uh, and have taken place in the initial uh, terrorist attack.
0: Yeah, and I don't, you know, I think story-wise, canon-wise, Layton is not doesn't know that he's working with the changelings. Mm. I, I think he genuinely thinks he's not. Uh, so the quote, the the scene goes: "Are you going to tell me how you faked the blood test?" Layton, does it matter? Cisco, I suppose not. So he doesn't say how. It it how matters he did in it.
1: that it doesn't. It sort of so this so here is where we make a beat change, right?
0: Yes. So even
1: if we were to say that Leighton, even if we were on the side of the argument where Layton had to do what he had to do, he's acting in good faith. He's putting his loyalists there because he knows that they'll be the best in the position, even if we like went full Q with him, okay? Yeah. By manipulating the blood test, you've now made so much of your argument moot, right? If we have to rely on these types of tests and screenings and yet all the while we know how to fake them anyway, what are we even doing, right? So here's where we start to twirl, maybe.
0: Well, yes, I, I there's definitely a beat shift here, and I, I think the episode suffers a little bit from it. I think had, had Leighton's motivations stayed pure, mm-hmm. it would have been a better episode than, like, he really does sort of turn into power-hungry megalomaniac as a you know as opposed to someone who is that but doesn't know it he i think he knows that he's trying to take over power and he's now justifying that with this which is also very true and very human
1: well it's good Uh, to know there's an entire reddit thread on was admiral layton working with a changeling changeling is there really people sparring back and forth which i won't read on the internet again you can join it but it's on a reddit Slash, uh, reddit.com slash r slash daystrom institute.
0: Alright, well the only thread I give a crap about is our thread here in the YouTube comments. Folks, was Leighton working with the changelings? D- or was he aware that he was working with the changelings? Yes or no? Uh, put it with your ratings of self-sealing stem bolts. I'd love to know your I'm answer. I'm with you.
1: I don't think he was.
0: I I think they were manipulating him. I, I think they, they figured out this guy was a bit of a megalomaniac and was going to, like, grab at power if given the opportunity. And so they manipulated the whole thing. Um, but I think the, the in terms of being able to fake the blood tests, the blood screenings, it's really just the inverse idea of what Joseph says in part one. And he's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a chef, and I can think of a really easy way that they can fake negative. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't we fake positive? like in in this days with holograms that kind of stuff like no one's like checking that there's not a holographic projector in in his pocket or something like that benton shows
1: too or bentine shows it's important like he's not just juggling he's also got to keep his his acolytes in check too right so i think he's got to keep a couple secrets up his sleeve in order to you know
0: right right well and that's because
1: you would assume a lot of them are operating in quote-unquote their good faith and yeah. what they think is best for the country. So if they find out this guy is kind of faking a lot of the stuff, I don't think yeah. it would
0: go well. Well, and, and we see that happen exactly when Benteen turns on him.
1: Yeah. Well, right? and, and her suspicion of Ben isn't because she's a, a baddie. It's because no. she's been fed that he's a changeling. Bad
0: information. Yeah. That's right. That's right. She thinks he's a line, And and so, and it gets back to the whole thing. One person working in bad faith at the top can manipulate lots of other people to do horrible things. Here Uh, we are.
1: Ben once again eh, not too faced.
0: (laughs) Not impressed. Nobody Uh, knows the trouble I feel. (laughs) Wow. No comment.
1: Spaceballs, man. Spaceballs.
0: So he then leaves Cisco to stay there until he's taken over. Later, a remarkably attractive security guard (laughs) arrives to do the blood screen. Uh, I, 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 I'm just saying, made my heart go pitter-pat. Wouldn't it be great if they just
1: redid the scene from two weeks ago, where Bashir like just sexy schmoozes Dax to get out of his to escape, and Ben just did the same thing here.
0: (laughs) Why won't they let you put your hair down? What the hell? Take those glasses off. Let me see. Take those glasses off. Don't you know? you don't need to see you need to be seen uh toss, anyway toss. Toss, toss. toss toss so uh <coughs> she comes to blood screen cisco's guard and of course odo is there for the rescue Hi-ya! he knocks he knocks everybody out and vulcan neck pinches the cute guard huh then odo announces that the wormhole was opening and closing because a device was put there by one of leighton's people thus proving the whole thing was a fake. Cisco goes to confront Layton. The Defiant is en route with the guy who set it up in custody. Layton says, No worries. I told Benteen and the Lakota that, th- that the Defiant is filled with shapeshifters and to go stop them and or blow it up. Yikes. On the Defiant, we see Wharf in command. Uh, Because now, if you remember, folks, Worf is in command division, no longer in security, so he would be the ranking officer in charge of the Defiant. Uh, And they're being told to stop by the Lakota, all under the supervision of Bashir doing a very saucy lean behind Worf. In Act 5, Sisko and Layden argue for a while. Sisko asks if he's willing to start a civil war. Then the Defiant comes face to face with a Lakota. Lakota fires on the Defiant, and it does a remarkable amount of damage. See, see a Bashir saucy lean? Yeah, he's given us full lean.
1: And Nana's given us just glam.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is not my favorite one of her hairstyles. Well, like even uh. her
1: on the holopad earlier, she was just like, when she, he beams in, she's just like,
0: glam shot. <laughs> Well, season four—I talked about it in in the in the first uh, episode. They just poofed up everybody's hair. I don't know why they're like it's nineteen ninety six. six, let's it. but it's but it's like it's ninety six. Let's do everybody's hair like it's eighty six. I don't really, I don't get it. It's weird. Uh, it's not my favorite. It, it improves as time goes by. So uh, anyway. Uh, Oh, so the the Coda does a surprising amount of damage. Their weapons have been secretly upgraded. And uh, they keep firing, and Worf is forced to tell them to fire back. We get a brief but super cool battle sequence. Look at that shot. Go back one. That's so cool. We've never seen that type of a shot before uh, on Trek. And I believe that's the digital defiant flying over the actual model.
1: No wonder Odo Uh, Odo couldn't get a a hammer arm.
0: (laughs) That's right, no no hammer arm for Odo. Uh, But this is so much better than that stupid bad morph. Um, Anyway, so uh, Cisco and Layton keep arguing. Then Bentine calls and says, we can't beat the Defiant uh, because for some reason the Defiant has been uh, upgraded with a blade of armor and I didn't know about that. So they're both holding, you know, keep it a little secret back and forth but it would make sense that the upgrades on the defiant would be highly classified yeah
1: well they've uh, gone head to head with the they've gone head to head with the changelings on a, a numerous occasions and the gem hadar and i can say Leighton has probably not
0: no no exactly yeah. and so the uh yeah the defiant should be the most classified heavily upgraded you know ship in starfleet you don't
1: know, see this is a lesson to be learned here if you're gonna bring in a patsy, right, to kind of be your uh, your guy to give you to give you uh, credence to do your nefarious deeds, make sure your patsy's not smarter than you. That's the that's the lesson to learn.
0: Well, usually the people who use patsies uh, struggle to find people dumber than them. Well uh, it, cer- certainly in our situation. Uh, I mean, Mark Meadows is not a smart man. Yeah, however, <laughs> anyway, well, all uh, we can
1: say, all we've proven in American politics is that what we know for sure is that after this episode, Layton's going to get one hell of a book deal.
0: He's going to he's going to get a great contributor on uh, he's going to co host on The View. He's going to he's <laughs> going to get his own primetime show on cable. Yeah. It's going to be great. He's going to be uh, he's going to be pushing my pillows with Rudy.
1: Latent efforts, it's called.
0: Latent <laughs> attraction. Yeah. Oh uh. all right. Anyway, we're oh God. We're I mean We're doing better anybody, than last week somehow. If there's anybody left on our show who uh does not share our worldview, they're so gone. We we, we lost a lot of them because of our bantering, but this one will finish off anybody who was on the fence. So bye, sorry. Uh anyway, uh Leighton then tells Bentine to use the quantum torpedoes which would actually destroy instead of disable the Defiant. And Cisco, uh, because Layton is not quick enough on ending the Zoom call, <laughs> uh, is able to speak directly to Ben. It's that weird
1: three-second buffer.
0: It's, it's the buffer. They're yeah, not using
1: NDI. They're not using NDI.
0: <laughs> it's the damn buffer. It's just like, hey, look, you, you know there aren't any shapeshifters on that ship. And... Uh, so on the Defiant, things aren't looking good, and they're only both ships are only one shot away from killing each other. And they get a call from Benteen. Turns out she wasn't willing to kill all the people on the Defiant and decided to stand down. And uh, they they call back in, and we hear that a bunch of people have died. Mm-hmm. So there are like real consequences um, that have happened on here. But Cisco says... It's over. Leighton has his you can't handle the truth moment, but he knows that he's beaten. So he takes off his admiral pips and surrenders. Look at that
1: Office Max 1996 computer chair.
0: Oh yeah, no. That's the uh all of the chairs on track. They did not make space chairs.
1: Yeah, instead of like increased lumbar support, they this design is zero support whatsoever. There's just a channel in the middle where your spine sits. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's air. right. They said, sure. "Well, that's how you make it space. You'd like start just hacking away pieces yeah. of it. Because, you know, it's the 24th century. We don't need lumbar support." Look at the They're cinematography here, like, As I now.
1: as I flip through, look at the cinematography. Look how they just replace the pupils. Like that's Yeah. As a good setups.
0: Yeah, it's Reza Badi, the director of that. Good stuff. So, back in New Orleans, the uh security officers start beaming off. And everybody is relieved, except for Odo, who is like, "Uh, there's still changelings on the planet. There's still plenty, plenty of problems here." They say goodbye to Joseph and offer him a chance to live on Deep Space Nine, but you know that he won't. Although I, it would be welcome as a as a new uh, recurring character.
1: Well, yeah, we need we'd give us like a different set to go to, right? You know, it'd be a little competition for for Quark, which would be good for Quark.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, like, you know, over
1: there? N- nothing, old, but this is so true to form like Jen's mom, my mom, like, you would think that as you get older into your senior years, do you want to be close to your family and friends, right? But no, they just, <laughs> I just want to be in isolation by myself.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it depends on how much you like your family and friends. That's fair.
1: Man, if you got a Jake and Cisco, come on, you want to hang out with them.
0: That's true. That's true. But you can, you can, you can hang out over Zoom like we do. Mm-hmm. and you know, don't have to see each other in person. It's, it's wonderful. Nice. It's the best, best deal. Alright, so they beam away and Joseph opens the restaurant, returning some semblance of normalcy to Earth, but you know there are still some flamboyant changelings there on the planet. Now it is time to adjudicate all of this plot in a little segment we call Alright, here we are. It's it's weird to be back on the station. Yeah. We've been on Earth for two episodes. Uh why don't you uh talk to me about uh some wormholes?
1: Yeah, I mean I guess the wormholes for me were we talked about one of them, right? Was whether was how we faked the blood test, and where I guess it doesn't matter because even as far as episode one, where Joseph kind of explains that the blood test is sort of moot anyway, uh, it's still, so I guess, is it a wormhole, whether Leighton was working with the the. Well, or Well, I not? think it's
0: in, it's in t- it maybe intentionally ambiguous. Yeah,
1: but that was sort of, Leighton's character, I guess, isn't a wormhole, but it's his true intentions And I guess the point, if the point is it doesn't matter what his true intentions were, whether he was like, how how in the back, how far
0: villain was he? How big his mustache was for twirling.
1: Is the ambiguity that kind of sours me a little bit, and we'll get into it, but is it a wormhole? I don't know. Uh, To be honest with you, the the episode is pretty clean as far as plot holes go, so I don't have a lot to, to offer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I I don't think there are any plot holes. I have some notes on the episode in yeah. in terms of how it's structured, um, but I don't think there are any plot holes. Like, also, I, I think it, it's I, for me, a wormhole would be, I guess, it strains a little credulity
1: for me that Red Squad would be so secretive, but yet everybody knows about it, and uh, like a first a first uh year cadet would know about it and they would be so then they would use and then they would use these cadets to do their bidding instead of like that seems like a bad bad guy choice right well i think i'm not going I, to like I, I, i'm not going to like the hot shots at west point and giving them you know uh green beret duties
0: well it's not it's not green beret duties i think it's It's the nefarious duties that you want people who don't know better, who are green, but desperate to please. Yeah, but you also want them to keep their mouth shut. You do want them to keep their mouth shut. Um, But but I think from Leighton's point of view, they don't have to keep their mouth shut in perpetuity. They only have to get across the finish line. Yeah. Of yeah. him taking over in a couple of in a matter of weeks. Yeah. So um I, I, I see that there's some liabilities there, but I also see that there's there's a way in which it does make sense that they okay. would use them. Uh yeah. So uh let's move forward. Mike, what's your best moment? I think the best moment is
1: I would argue it's the scene where Ben comes across flamboyant O'Brien changeling because I think it kind of boils it down for me, because as you're going to hear momentarily, Leighton's kind of turn to less ambiguity and more mustache twirling is sort of my biggest gripe with the episode, Mm -hmm. or I think hurts it the most. But that said, when you really take that scene that I just mentioned in context with the rest of the two episodes, what you learn is that Leighton actually still isn't the antagonist. Like the main antagonist of no. the story, it is no, still he's the changelings. A, he's a patsy. Yeah, yeah, it's still the changelings, and they are still every time we see them, man, and we get like a sit down with them. They, they, all they really say is, <laughs> well, "Yeah, we screwed you again. We got you again." It's like a gloating. There's like a gloating.
0: Yeah, well, that's a confident I mean, they, gloating. They're arrogant mm-hmm. because by they nature. know
1: currently, and it could change. I know, but their best Link. weapon is simply the unknown. They know the extent of their power and they know we don't know the extent of their power. All we're living with is some little things we've learned and our best guessed, guess as to how bad they can be or how much they can hurt us. And that is, they're playing into their hands at this moment. And, uh, you know, that so that danger and that sort of, once again, it reframes, refocuses our huge uphill battle. We still have to go in the series. Yep. And that... Uh, I like when we do that. When we zoom out, we say, "Hey, you think we're in the middle of the race, man? We're not even running it yet."
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think that the the changelings they went to like war grad school, mm-hmm. so they it is they are not pushing tanks. They they are they are being able to to secretly they're the CIA, right? You know, it's like, but but if they're more effective than the Obsidian Order. They're more effective than the Tal- the Talshiar the equivalents of that they are pulling levers. They're getting a lot of bang for their buck. Mm-hmm. They're getting huge. They're they, they do have a really good understanding of human nature. Right. And, and being able to stir xenophobia and anxiety and, and ambiguity. And they know we're going to eat ourselves. You yeah, know, what, they, what they are they
1: Q right now, right? They are currently just Q basically not, not QQ, but like our Q, you know what I mean?
0: Yes. 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 The, uh, <laughs>
1: Because, yeah, Pizzagate Q. Yeah, because outside yeah, 100%. of outside of now we know they have fighting forces. We know they have the
0: the. Uh, yeah, and but they're only going to use them when they need to.
1: And outside of the like struggle that what that Odo had with that one changeling on the ship, we actually haven't seen the actual changelings in physical combat in any sort of way. Correct. No. We have we. They have their their army that. We've yeah, they seen. don't.
0: They they don't need to fight. That's not their business. But we don't. They, but maybe they, they, they can't. The as
1: changelings, I'm sure they could be very effective.
0: Well, we we see Odo Odo never uses a phaser, and yet he's the head of security. So
1: yeah, cool. That's a great bad guy, man. What better bad guy could you have? I oh, wish it's so good. The effects were better. I just wish they had better effects, but that's not here nor there. Uh, it,
0: yeah, it's it's it is a bummer the effects aren't great, but you know, like it's sure, but you know, it's it, we're not we're, we're not Star Wars, we're Star Trek. It's the the effects are here in your brain right yeah, and and, and
1: you, you know there's a great we have a one-to-one right because if you look at strange new worlds uh which you can check out our entire review of seasons one and two uh, over on our youtube channel oh uh, well done um you know they did they went the other way with the gorn right the gorn are just like these bloodthirsty maniacs that are just like indiscriminately murdering and chewing up planets and there's blood everywhere and dead bodies and stuff and that's
0: right can and they're only like take basically so animals
1: f- it can take only take you so far because then we know. Okay, we know that that's that's the extent of what they do, right? They're just, and so you've limited your storytelling opportunities at that point. Whereas here, yeah. because it's all psychological, we could go any number of ways.
0: The well, only challenge
1: they have now, from my perspective, I don't know yeah. the long arm of it. Somehow, I'm still spoiler free. Um, the only. Tr- trap you could run into is redundancy, right? Is if we keep going to the well so many times of, you know, like oh, he they were they were they were pretending to be so and so and now they're and at some point the shit's got to hit the fan, but right now it's working.
0: Yeah. Well, uh without getting too spoilery, um the shit it, it, it going to hit that fan. Yeah, so. I suspect so, so. Don't 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 worry. Um but uh, I had something else I was going to say, but then the, the ship your, fan metaphor got moment? with me. Oh, okay. My my be- Oh, oh. Here's the point I was going to say. Um, in the changing says it in the episode, but I think like at this point, it is a it is really fair to ask the question like, are they smarter than us? Um, because you know, say we're smarter than you, and at this point, they're outsmarting us right and left. Um, so anyway, that was a thought. My my best moment is actually um, Cisco using his smarts and all of Cisco's like six different interrogations in the episode in which he frequently, because a lot of times in an interrogation you play dumb mm-hmm. and let people fill in the blanks. In his case, he played smart. He, he pretended that he knew more than he did and got information out of people that way. Like, what a great uh, security interrogator he is in finding lots of different ways with lots of different power dynamics to pull information out. Like, he's buddy-buddy with the bullion. He's the he's the bad cop military guy with the kid. He's like, you know, he has this relationship with Leighton, which is more, like, emotional. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah, and
1: he's sort of like... Uh... Uh, uh, Starfleet pride with Benteen, like you wouldn't really do this. Right. It. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, it's like he, yeah, he, he, yeah, he calls upon her morality, and it's like it's it's really Cisco's navigation of this is incredibly intelligent, and and I love you know I talk about it all the time write your characters to the top of their intelligence, and Cisco does absolutely fantastic Ciscoing in this episode. Uh, all right, let's uh let's throw some self-sealing symbols. You get some stem bolts. Hell yeah, they are self-sealing. Here are some stem bolts for you.
1: Uh, before I start, I I'm not I'm not a changeling apologist. However, <laughs> let's remember that for our big bad and I'm for just all- saying just saying, Q had some. Hey, he's got some points, right? For all the fear and loathing that we've built with them, let's remember their initial ask, right? It wasn't like Hitler, "I want to kill all of these people and be the ultimate ruler of the world," or even Napoleon. It was simply, "Yo, just stay out of our side of the." It's like you're just your little sister. Right? You draw draw the line down the room. Like just stay off my <laughs> side of the room. That's all. That's all we're asking.
0: And everything comes back to get off my lawn, Mike. (laughs) Right? So, like, their ask wasn't crazy. Um, Still, that's
1: even, like, the O'Brien change thing. This episode, he's like, what are we doing? We're not here. We didn't invade Earth. What are you talking about? Like, we're just, we could. We didn't. You hold all the cards. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself.
1: So, obviously, we loved part one of this episode. And I think the thing that the genius thing that the end of episode 1 does into part 2 does as well is it changes the viewpoint right we set we spent an entire hour setting up the well sometimes situations call for actions that aren't particularly living up to our ideals keith right but then instantly starting this episode now ben's like ah, oh, shit right maybe right maybe i i was rash to this judgment and that's the whole point right the whole point is like you said when we push change too fast too quick and step on a lot we of the, went off half-cocked yeah we st- set up and we we start to demolish all of the checks that we've we spent all that time setting up uh we run into problems genius the point of you know like put us in the other shoes for a long time make us walk and then finally be like oh crap these shoes are too small it hurts my feet whatever the hell that means <laughs> <laughs> um so awesome I think the conflict is great. I think the resolution is great. I think Ben being a step ahead and figuring out how to... And then just when we think he's going to pull Layton out, they flip the switch on him. I think all the p- the pacing and plotting is great. The things that I think hold it back from being as good as last week, it's really hard to separate them, but is, is a couple of things. One, you know, what we're loving, what we've discussed for hours at this point, is the nuance of... The fact that there isn't any right or wrong answer fully in these situations, right? There is credence. When when looking at it as in good faith, there is credence to both sides of this argument. There there, there are valid arguments on both sides in this particular setup. Not always. I, You made a great point last week. It's not always that. It's not always both sides have something. It's not always both sides in, right? Like sometimes right. right is right and wrong is wrong. But here there is... An argument on both sides but that's really tough television that's tough when you're writing to just kind of let it sit in that nebulae all of the time and so not it's not impossible and in, and i think we're in a place now on television where it's much more acceptable so many stories with anti-heroes that that don't yeah. resolve in a satisfying way for the good guy or whatnot but here they, I think, felt a little trapped with their, like, we gotta know who the good guys and bad guys are. So they, like, push, I think, Leighton to a, to a, a villainy yeah. that... Yeah, that's That sort of... It's not... It, I don't think it strains credulity. I don't think it's... But it just... they. It's an easy out, right? It, it feels easy. It felt too easy. Uh, I, I can't point to a specific t- time and place, but... It just he becomes a little scene chewy where like, oh, he's the bad guy. That's why. When 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 it was mo- he's more Nefarious and Dangerous when he was doing it because he thought he had to. Yeah. But they completely kind of neuter that by pushing him so far in the one direction. Um, because I think when you then juxtapose him with his his number one, I keep saying Benteen, is that right? Yes. Yeah. She's more the morally conflicted Bad guy, right? And so uh, it was better when he was like her. Anyway, so that's one thing. Uh, Two, I was really loving the... the There was a conflict between Ben and his dad being kind of sick, and there was a whole thing they were building there that they sort of jettison in this episode. And the dad sort of takes a back seat and then becomes kind of an ancillary character, and then the whole, like, just they kind of lost that thread, which was interesting. They lost the thread with Nog, which I thought had so many great possibilities, and they ended up going with the least interesting one and then jettisoning it. So I think they tried to become more focused in this second episode, but that focus was in streamlining the plot into a satisfying conclusion. Right. And it abandoned some great ideas that they had set up. That said... By no means does that make it a weak episode. I think I think ultimately they pushed their main villain further. I think they made an incredible, bold, brave social commentary that is not uh, easily done without becoming like people will say in our comments. Oh, you're a, you're a <laughs> you're a liberal shills or whatever. Um, and so I kudos to that. And they've still built out their, expanded their universe. You know, we still see an ongoing conflict between Starfleet potentially and the ideals of our team, and also the Federation as a whole, the the changeling threat, everything. So, I love it. I just didn't love it as much as last week. I don't think it fails. It just it it couldn't be all things, right? It almost set the bar too high for itself to to going hmm. forward. So. Still loved it. Can't give it a 95 again. Uh but a solid 90. 91 Stembolts.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's I think all of that is right. Um I think that the the aspiration of the story of this of this two-parter here, it's it's sort of the difference between your regular high school history class and AP history. Hmm. And most television especially at that time told the basic history class you know the germans are the bad guys and we're the good guys right mm-hmm. but once you take that ap class you start to see the nuance you know not necessarily that there was any good in what they were in what the germans were up to but like there's a lot of complexity um in 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 the whole situation you zoom out as opposed to like there was a good guy and there's a bad guy well Let's look back at the the forty years before. What caused this to be possible? What caused all of this? What sort of what what are the the parallels? What are the the patterns that we see in human history? How do we slide from one to another? How does how does World War One affect that? How you know, like exactly how did this happen and where are we seeing this pattern play out over and over again? And maybe where are the patterns in our own society, right? And it just tells a much more complex uh it's it's a little bit of a darker view on humanity mm-hmm. that like there aren't just some bad guys we need to weed out and smush, right that there is that there is a, a inherent flaw in our death star as a human culture that uh, follows out this dark pattern over and over again and and even in the the situations where we think we are most safe from that, we still have the trench in our Death Star. Sorry to mix metaphors on on uh, <laughs> on sci-fi here, but like we still have this weak spot that, if pressed, we all, even the good guys, are susceptible to this sort of idea, this creeping weakness in us as a species, right? And I think looking at it from that context is where um, not only these two episodes, but Deep Space Nine. Is the AP version of it. If, and I'm gonna say this, I really enjoy Star Wars, I like Star Wars, but like if Star Wars is sort of middle middle school understandings of good and bad, and then most of Trek is the high school version, this is the college version of understanding conflict, and and this is why Deep Space Nine is so freaking great. So um I love the aspiration. Of what they're trying to do here. I think you're right that it starts to crumble a little bit when Leighton (laughs) becomes self aware of his badness. You know what I mean? He starts monologuing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's that moment. And I think it is the scene with him um, where he admits to framing Cisco, right? Where we realize, oh, he is at least partially aware that he's the bad guy. Right, and that's where it breaks down a little bit because in very few situations, both in real life and in the best storytelling, are the bad guys aware that they're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I think it weakens them once they know they're the bad guy.
1: I think because of that, quick just insertion, uh, because I was thinking this, it's that point that both makes the first episode better, right? But also worse, right? It sort of ruins the first episode in that the good stuff was all the nuance that you kind of lose if there is that big bad. Right. But it makes it better in drawing that juxtaposition, in putting us in those shoes in the first episode without giving us the bad guy latent stuff fully. Uh, yeah. That episode is stronger.
0: Yeah. So I think it's – look, there are bad guys who know they're bad guys, right? They exist. And, you know, and and it – we're certainly we're well aware that they that they exist um but I, does it neuter a little bit of the point that they're making with the rest of it? Yeah um do I see why they did it because they had to sort of wrap this up Yeah right It's a lot easier to point like oh he's a bad guy, right um I don't think the episode is saying that he's fully bad i I think he was sort of sucked in by his own ambition. um he started with good intentions, but his fatal flaw was his desire for power. Many, many things and many people. Um, but he crossed the line and knew that he crossed it, I think is is where... I also feel like this episode felt a little overstuffed and understuffed in a way that, like, I feel like some of the scenes with Leighton and Cisco, there was a lot of repeated ground. Hmm. And so it felt a little bit like filler. That they, they said they have sort of the same conversation a couple of times that I feel it would have been better to move that conversation forward a little bit or only do it once. And I'd love to see a little bit more of the machinations happening. I like to, cause we we get told a lot and I'm sure a lot of it's budgetary, right? This happened that we didn't see, the Red Squad sabotage the whatever, that we, we, we didn't see that we had, um, you know, people being put in charge all over the place. We didn't see that. There's just a lot that I would have liked to have seen the A to B to see a little bit more. If we're gonna break Cisco out of the prison, you know, you could have done that in a more elaborate way that would have been a lot more interesting. It was sort of perfunctory. Yeah, I think you called it hokey, but I, I think it's just sort of like, okay, yeah, we know we need to do this, we're just gonna we're just gonna do it. We're not even gonna pay for the morph <laughs> to right. show how Odo did it, that it's it was just a little bit um, I, I think there there could have been some um, some story ground gained by instead of having the the escape be perfunctory, you could have had a much more elaborate um, break, you know, jailbreak that would have been more exciting because it, it just jailbreaks are fun and, and interesting, sort of heisty. But also, you could have tied it to the story by showing that all of these extra security things they did to keep out the changelings, well like like we reinforce with being able to fake the blood screening on both positive and negative, show that, like, Odo, like, yeah, I can get out of all this. Like, show him outsmart, using his changeling abilities, outsmart the stuff that they designed and prove that, like, the type of guns aren't going to keep you safe, right? You know what I mean? That sort of a... I think there could have been some some ground gained there. So, um, in the end... I thought it I, I thought it it's a it's a very good episode and a reasonably satisfying conclusion to this. I think it like I said, I don't think it's as good as last week. I also don't think it's bad. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a it's like a B plus conclusion to an A storyline. So for me, uh that gets you 89 self-sealing stem bolts. The internet, the world, uh did not agree. They said this was better than last episode, a little bit, giving it an 8.3 as opposed to an 8.2, which gives you uh, ranking number 23 out of 173 on the IMDb. That just
1: tells me people don't like to be challenged as much. They like it better when you tell them what the good guys. You know, it's, I, watch, <laughs> I watch a lot of cult shows, right? Like shows about cults. I find that psychology and psychopathy very interesting. But I find that the ones who are always like, look how crazy these people are to follow that dude. Like look how nuts they must be. Yeah, to be very uninteresting. I much rather, like you said, show me the events that led up to these people being taken over by this way of thinking, by this seemingly absurd uh, life philosophy how did we get here that's how much could more... we possibly yes. buy
0: into that yeah
1: because these are generally speaking very in- intelligent uh empathetic people that end yeah. up in these situations and so that's a much more it's harder to tell that story but i find it more satisfying
0: yeah so uh all right so if you found any of this satisfying and you haven't uh you know canceled us immediately for... <laughs> For uh, political nonsense, you can check out our other shows, K&M Geekly, every Monday. You can check out Strange New Show. If you missed any of us talking about the first two seasons of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, every Sunday we talk about Star Trek toys, lots of fun stuff there. And if you really want to get into all the... Uh, the contemporary to the '90s political concepts. Check out our show Out of Practice, where we review every single episode of David E. Kelly's The Practice. Keith, did I tell you that I
1: got a Spotify uh, thing today, telling me that this year, 2023, in which yeah. Out of Practice has been dead. Out of Practice is no or longer
0: finished. No not longer dead, releasing. Finished.
1: No longer releasing live episodes. That's right. Their highest year of growth. In that show, on the downloads this year,
0: really? Yes, it was our
1: best year. <laughs> it's our best year. Uh, I mean, you know, if that isn't better, uh, that isn't. And luckily, the finale, the Leave a Light On, was our highest listened to episode. We, so at least people are We are
0: uh, leaping over the lowest of bars. Mm-hmm. We are jumping right over that limbo bar. Mm-hmm. Happy to every single week. Thank well, you we're so a step much. Over,
1: but you know, Keith and I are our jumping. days probably done.
0: <laughs> exactly. We are we are slowly crouching with our bad backs, stumbling over the bar.
1: Keith and I are like the Olympics. Keith, our tackle football days are over, but happy to ju- put, to, to put, throw on a flag and play that way.
0: Absolutely. Until we pull something on the first play. All right, folks. Thank you so much for watching or indoor listening. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, please leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting service. That will help other people. Find this uh, and beam it into their earballs. Thank you. We will see you back here next week with the episode that is very important and part of season four entitled Crossfire. We'll see you then. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Get off my lawn! <laughs> Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.